0: Welcome to another episode of Open Door Policy, where each time we sit down with a different joyful missionary disciple in the Archdiocese of Detroit, who is unleashing the gospel. And today, special edition, we have two of them. We have a husband and wife, Al and Suzanne Kroll. Al and Suzanne, welcome to Open Door Policy. Thank you. Thank you. Danielle Center, how are you?
1: Friend, I am good. How are you?
0: Good. What's God doing in your life these days?
1: Well, um, some of the listeners will remember my brother Paul, he's from another uh, another episode, and he has an idea to work on a new performance. So we have been working together on some collaborative art during quarantine over Zoom and all that. So writing uh, writing a play, writing songs, that kind of thing. And um, our, our guests today are, are artists as well. Isn't that right, Mr. and Mrs. Kroll?
2: Yes, I guess in a way yeah. we are. <laughs>
0: Well, let's jump in and uh, get to know you both a little bit with some rapid fire questions. Are you ready?
2: I guess so. Let's go. All right,
0: first question. Uh, and we can go ladies first here. And then Al, once your your bride gives her in, so you can jump in. First question is, what was your first job?
2: Uh, working on the counter at Hardee's with hamburgers.
3: That's going back.
2: First time.
3: I, I I guess I was uh, my first job. I worked at a sprinkler company, putting underground sprinklers in.
2: All
0: right. What's the most beautiful church you've been to?
2: Saint Peter's Basilica.
0: Same. Uh, what that's is cute. the most recent song you have stuck in your head? Uh,
2: the Lord is my light and my salvation.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess
3: because that's what we were talking about uh, singing or later on. <laughs> oh, the
0: Lord is my light. <laughs> Am I... Is it that one?
2: Yep, yep. that one.
0: <laughs> You're like, I'm not sure if it's that one. Okay.
2: Um, <laughs> no, no. You the right idea. It was the right <laughs> wrong pitch for me. <laughs> uh,
0: all right, moving on. Uh, in what fictional world would you want to live?
2: Um, I don't know. I'm thinking about Outlander. Sing
0: yeah. <laughs> Man, I don't know if I have any
3: fictional world. like I can't live in that uh, in That life. I don't know. I'd probably be on a
0: sailboat somewhere. Ooh. What is your favorite breakfast food?
2: Pancakes.
0: Scrambled eggs. What location uh, did you have a powerful encounter of God in?
2: Blessed Sacrament Cathedral.
3: There's a couple of times that I've thought about it. I'm thinking the the Palestrina Chapel in uh,
0: Rome. What's uh, your favorite Bible verse?
2: I don't know if I can tell you which Bible verse it is, but it's the things that, you know, since Sunday talking about hope. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, just before that, those those have really been resonating with me, I think with the, uh, with all our quarantining and mm-hmm. things going on in the family, I'd say hope.
3: I have to agree, yeah, between you know, the Archbishop Tom Lee on Sunday and, uh, the uh,
0: response songs and that, it was, it was all about hope. Yeah. All right, and have either of you met anyone famous before?
2: Uh, yeah, um... I met Bill Lambeer once a really long time ago. He'd never remember it.
0: (laughs) Al, how about you? I don't know. I met Bill Clinton. Oh, right.
2: Mm -hmm. We even have a picture of it.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. We'll we'll get back to that. So save that story. We'll we'll follow up with that in a minute. Who's your hero?
2: Father Patrick Kanyo. He's my hero. I love him.
0: (laughs) My wife is my hero. Yeah, that's what marriage is all about, helping each other. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah.
0: And last but not least, what is the fav- your favorite book you've ever read?
2: I loved Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier.
0: Daphne du Maurier was an English author and playwright. Her stories have been described as moody and resonant.
2: I don't know. For some reason, that book just really stuck with me. I mean, I read it 50 years ago and I still love that story. I have to pick that up and read it again.
3: Boy, I was just looking at the title of a book here, and uh, it's the, the the life of uh, Captain James Cook. And uh, if I had read that would one I would like to read, but it's like three thousand pages.
0: <laughs> All right, Heard that.
1: You bet. Okay, so the one I'm going to start with is where I saw a little bit of overlap. You both were really touched at St. Peter's, so. When did you go to Rome? What brought you there? And, and what touched you about St. Peter's?
3: It was a pilgrimage with the uh, Archdiocesan Chorus for um, uh, Epiphany. Epiphany uh, what year was that?
2: Four years ago, yeah. 2016. Yeah.
3: yeah. And uh, so we were there for, saw the the, the, the Pope and uh, it was quite an uh, experience
1: that's super beautiful and then you said you guys are are praying a little bit with hope right now what's um, what has touched you about what the archbishop said
2: um I, I think it's because so many people are afraid right now with the pandemic and um, you know you, you just keep trying to give people a little bit of hope that um, yeah this this can be bad but you know, the vast majority of us are going to make it through it. And it'll be sad, whoever doesn't. But, you know, I, I think it was too, when I was talking to, to my daughter and my son separately, when this started, and I should say our daughter and son. And, um, you know, I said to them, I said, I said, you know, if, if it comes down, if I get really sick, and there aren't enough ventilators to go around, I said, you know, I've, I've I, I've lived a good life. I've had kids and raised them. I had a great career. I've had a wonderful marriage. I lived in nice homes, um, you know. And if there's somebody who needs that that ventilator, back when they were talking about not enough ventilators, I said, "No, right. oh, kids." I said, "I'm I'm okay. I know where I'm going mm-hmm. from here, and and I'm not afraid." Um, so. You know, I mean, it, and my daughter was the one, my son just kind of nodded his head, you know, but uh, our daughter said, yeah, you know, that's a good time to talk about this. And yeah, I kind of understand what you mean. So it was good yeah. to hear that. I, I, um, really, so I, I, I think that's the thing, you know, there's, there's hope through all of this and, uh, you know, it'll, it'll hope. all be okay. You the bet. world has gone through this before and come yeah. through this sort of thing. So uh,
1: it'll be all right yeah I have one question more for each of you for you Mm -hmm. um Father Patrick Gagno what Mm -hmm. is a beautiful story that you have about him
2: I think it was when when he was leaving the cathedral and so many of us when we did our little goodbye thing down in the you know in the uh social room there so many of us just said you know I, I think he's the closest person to Jesus I've probably ever met. He mm-hmm. he's just and and you can just feel the spirit and, and Jesus coming, just just emanating from him. And he's so much fun. And uh you know, I mean it isn't like he, you have to be serious to be holy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's yeah. what I like about him. You know, he used to look at us on Sundays, singing up in the, the the choir loft, and when mass was over, he'd he'd say to the choir, he'd say, hey, you guys were having a Holy Spirit party up there." He's <laughs> such a doll.
1: He's <laughs> yeah. such a doll. And a question for you, Alan, is mm-hmm. um, you mentioned a sail sailing. Are you are you a sailor? Do you have a boat?
3: I uh, currently do not have a boat. I have, but I have, uh, boated all of my life.
1: And if you could boat anywhere, where would you go?
3: I guess right now I'm thinking about the Caribbean.
1: Nice. (laughs) Great. All right. Well, that is our rapid fire questions. I really appreciate you guys. Thanks so much.
2: Thank you both. Oh, you're welcome.
0: So, in trying to find out a little bit about you before you came on, we saw sent you a little, uh, you know, uh, a little worksheet to to know a little bit. And Suzanne said she is the cradle Catholic, so I put my Sherlock Holmes hat on and deduced from that that Al is a convert to Catholicism. So, as we talk about testimony, uh, Alan, would you share with us a little bit about how you became Catholic?
3: Well, I guess my wife. <laughs> um yeah it was just kind of I, I grew up uh, in the Episcopal Church um and uh after you know we when we uh, you know went through you know the marriage counseling and and that it was just how it the the, the process that we went through and um we our, she told me she says, well you know our kids are going to come up we brought up Catholic and I was like, okay, fine. And they went they went to Catholic schools and we participated in the you know, in the, the church and uh, you know Father Tom just you know he kind of they I should say uh, they asked a couple of, you know some different times
0: So who so so was Father else? Tom?
3: Father Tom Maher in uh, white Lake uh, St. Um, St Patrick's. yeah
2: St Patrick's in White Lake um
3: yeah. you know, just kind of like, okay, you know what, what are your thoughts? And we had conversations, but it, they never really, came to to any real answer um and one day uh, father jerry slowinski said to me he says al what are you doing he says <laughs> why why don't you know you you've been here all this time you're doing all this stuff he says why don't you just do it and i said okay wow and there's so, there you go
0: there's the uh the
3: history
1: there's so, the power of invitation man
0: yeah yeah, I was going to say a little bit of peer pressure, but invitation yeah. <laughs> sounds a lot better. So,
2: good and call, he Danielle. Was, yeah, he was confirmed the same year our son made his first communion and was and confirmed. So, wow.
0: What year was that? Uh,
2: 1993.
1: Approximately.
2: That's yeah. A, that's... <laughs>
1: Give a year and, or two. And about how many years that's have you guys... before you
2: were born, Yeah,
1: Danielle. about how long have you guys been married? No, it no it's not. I was no, I was a here. child. <laughs> um approximately how long have you guys been married?
2: Uh we've been married 40 years. And August will be 4-0, 40 years.
1: Wow. Congratulations, you guys. And Thanks. how we know um you is you sing in uh Joe Ballestreri is also a guest on the podcast and you sang in his choir. How have you um how did you join the choir and and how has God been ministering through the gift of music in your lives? So I one of my girlfriends from from college, you know,
2: we had kind of lost touch with touch with each other. And uh so it must be about seven years, seven, eight years ago now, she found me on Facebook and we started a conversation and wow, we both sing, how cool. And we're, you know, just talking and that. And then when we decided to downsize, to, you know, uh, leave the family home, kids had been gone for five, six years and, you know, uh-huh. we need to get something smaller. And I work here at Henry Ford Hospital. We said, well, you know, let's, let's look into moving to Detroit things are happening in Detroit. Let's let's see about that. So we ended up buying a condo here in Midtown and um, and Kathy, my friend Kathy Lozon, who's in the Archdiocese Choir, uh, she was like, well, Sue and Al, oh my gosh, you guys are just down the street from the cathedral. You have to audition. We're like, oh no, no, we're not good enough for that. No, 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 no. And uh, she's, no, no, come on, you have to. And so uh, she she uh, talked us into it, and we re- we auditioned, and next thing we knew, we were in. And it was funny, because when we told the people at St. Patrick's in White Lake, where we'd been singing in the choir for several years, that we were coming down here, and that, you know, we might, we didn't know what parish we'd be in, but maybe the cathedral, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're, you'll get to go sing with the Pope, you know, for the Pope. And we're like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> we're not going to be in that choir. And there we are. Wow. <laughs>
1: So, God had a plan. <laughs> yeah, and then you guys both said that you had a really powerful experience there. And Alan, you mentioned um, going to the Palestrina Chapel. Was that the same trip or a different trip? Yeah,
3: yeah, same trip. We uh, sung at numerous churches uh, around the the city, and it was just one uh, one of the stops that we made. And we were in that chapel and had had a little bit of background and how uh, uh, well. What was you know, how, how it all came to be, and we were happened to be singing a Palestrina piece, and um, yeah, you know, we were just it was again just you know, very moving. But we turned around, and yeah. there were uh, 200 people standing behind us. <gasps> it was It was, I don't know, it was very moving.
2: Yeah, that was an amazing experience. There were people who were standing there with their arms outstretched, you know, upraised, and their eyes closed, and people who looked like they were deep in prayer, some were kneeling, standing, and were like, oh, man, (laughs) we really did something here. You know, the whole choir, I mean, all of us, we looked at each other, and we all felt it. It was, the spirit was in us, and really, really involved in that music, and obviously, because, like I said, we had so many people. Standing behind us and we went, Oh my gosh, look at all of them.
0: Did anyone miss a note? Oh, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> that's what makes that's what makes <laughs> live music so interesting. <laughs> did,
0: did anyone on this podcast miss a note? No, I'm not I'm not gonna put of course you in not. that position. But, <laughs> but w- was that intimidating? Or was it just kind of like just pure kind of like like fun and joyful? Oh, uh, it was.
3: It was fun, joyful, and at times intimidating. I mean, it's just like you didn't, it's hard to describe the feeling when you're in a space like that and the history in that space. And uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the words for it. It's, it just kind of takes your breath away.
1: Do you guys feel like God tends to minister to you through a um do you like do you feel do you feel drawn to a specific kind of music that you most like to sing or are you kind of free with everything in your personal life how do you feel God ca- like working through music with you
2: I think any kind of music really um I love singing with our grandchildren you know, the wheels on the bus <laughs>
1: Oh yeah. <laughs>
2: you know. Uh, and I think um all of that, um, because that that helps cement the bond, you know, when people are singing together. Um, I mean there's all kinds of research and everything on, on the way people's hormone levels when they sing together go up and down together. Heartbeats often are in synchrony when people are singing together. So um I think that's part of the, the magic that happens with music. So um I, I think I know both of us tend to really love singing the master works, major works, and um, you know, the sacred music. Um, so that's why this choir has just been perfect for us. Uh, you know, we get a little bit, we get enough of a sprinkling of gospel uh, as well. That's 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 so much fun. <laughs> because people are just loving that
1: yeah and you guys also sang um at the tree lighting this year right the choir sang at the detroit uh christmas holiday tree lighting yeah yep we did what was that like
3: it it was i guess a very produced uh (laughs) project i mean it was (laughs) like you you were here was the time and you had to do that you had this amount of time and boom in and out and run around and someone else sang and then we were back on and then it was all okay it's all over
1: (laughs) wow okay
3: you know everything you know how tv is
2: and then and then uh oh what's his name the guy from channel seven who was doing introducing us what did he say the archdiocese (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> Dave Rexroth, yeah, and he said the archdiocese of Detroit. <laughs> like, oh, come on, <laughs> you're a professional. <laughs> I,
0: I was I was interviewed by someone on a secular radio station, and they—it's funny the things you take for granted, like you're saying that uh, they said director of evangelizing Asian. Uh, you know, they, they're reading it. And they're like, wait, wait, what is this word? They said, what's the word? Said so evangelization. So it, it is interesting words that, you know, we take for granted uh, other people just, it, it's not even, not even in their mindset.
2: You know, it's funny. Cause like I talked to people, you know, uh, I say, you know, we have a culture. I mean, there's an American culture, just like there's a French culture and English culture. I said, and we have our Catholic culture. And um, I mean, it just, it, it is what it is. And, and I know I'm very comfortable in it because it's been my whole life and, I think Hal's very comfortable in it, so.
0: So, so let, yeah. let me ask you, you both, one question here. What is your favorite part of being Catholic? As we talk about testimony and kind of witnessing to our faith, what what do you love about being Catholic?
2: What I love about being Catholic is our tradition. It's the the pageantry. It's the stories over the years. It's um, and then it it continues and continues. And it's there and it's, it's, it's ever changing because people change, but it's still the same. And that's what I think is my favorite part of being a Catholic is that I know it's always there and and, and it will always be there for me and for my family.
3: I would guess I would say it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, it's it, you know what you get. Short and simple.
1: That was great. Thank you so much. Okay, friends, this is, this is what I'm thinking about is, Suzanne, you talked about a place that you had a special um, encounter and experience was at Blessed Sacrament Cathedral. And I know Father Steve used to be uh, the Archbishop's secretary. So he has emceed at least one mass there, I would say, right? And then... And so, you've had what? a couple experiences at Blessed Sacrament Cathedral. And then Alan is also in the choir. So, maybe let's talk a little bit about this location. Like, what have you guys seen? What have you experienced? What is bringing you hope about the church?
0: That's uh, a great question, Daniel.
1: Thank you. You thought of it on the break. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, I'll lead it. No problem. Do you have what is, what is one of your favorite experiences at the cathedral, Father?
0: Oh, oh, we're going to meet. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, w- what I thought would be kind of fun to talk about this with the Krolls is um, just kind of being there. They've been singing for five years and seeing the transition. Uh, you know, I, I emceed all the archbishop's masses as his secretary for four years. Um, and just to see like how how things had kind of shifted from before the synod to being there for the mass for pardon and being there for Mm. the synod and then being there afterwards. And, and just seeing that, you know, I, it became very clear to me um, how much people looked forward to the archbishop's preaching. Um, He's never a short preacher. So I think uh, some people didn't look forward to the length all the time, (laughs) but I think they did uh, look forward and appreciate the way that um, it was very clear to me and to lots of other people how the Holy Spirit was using Him, particularly like from the cathedral, from His cathedral, um, to kind of lead us in this way that we're called to be a band of joyful missionary disciples. So to have a privileged place to see that and to see that kind of like people rally around that was really cool. And I thought it'd be cool to see, to think about, like what people in the choir loft saw, and and how they saw, like big mass by big mass, what was going on in the archdiocese of Detroit.
3: The one thing that always strikes me is when someone walks into the cathedral for the first time. It's you know, it's like any time you, you you walk into a big building, you just you, you're, you're you're you look up, you look around, um, and you can see the amazement that, that they have, that they're, that's, that they're experiencing and they go through the, you know, we, we have the, the mass or whatever we're, uh, what we're doing and on more than one occasion, there has been someone who has said, this has been an amazing experience.
2: What really impresses me about um, being at the cathedral and and singing and uh, and, and what is happening with um, Unleash the Gospel is uh, the when you have a, a large mass the, the mass the one that really uh, comes to mind the, the biggest one that we that we participate in would be the priest ordination every year mm. which we're not going to be able to do this year it is heartbreaking. Um, I'll tell you, when I heard that, that terminology, unleash the gospel, I thought, wow, that is the coolest thing. I mean, the gospel is just trying to break right out of that Bible, trying to break right out of our lives. We're, we've we been holding it back on a leash. It's like, unclip that leash and let it go. And I just that was the coolest thing <laughs> when I heard that when I heard the title of, of that it's like well, what does this mean what does this mean oh, yeah you know
0: I hear from people who sometimes think like it makes me think of a dog when of course uh, that, that's the uh mm. the main criticism is uh when people say it what is the gospel a dog it sounds like a dog but I think there is a there is a way that like when we think about Unleashed, like number one, it's setting free Um, that, you know, sometimes it's pent up inside us and we have to have give permission for the gospel, not just to Im- uh, impact me internally, but for to go out. But also there's like a wild part of the gospel. There's a wild mm-hmm. part of following Jesus that's like when you let it go, you don't know what it's going to do to you and to other mm-hmm. people. And what it does is not something tame. We can't control it. And so the, there is something intense and and wild about following Jesus.
2: So true. Go ahead. You know, I, um, a couple of years ago, and I, I put this in, you know, some of my remarks to um, my son and daughter-in-law are, you know, not attached to any church or religion. Our son has kind of stepped away from the Catholic church. And, uh, I said, can I start taking, you know, our oldest granddaughter to, to church with me on Sundays, you know, and I figured I'd take her to, you know, a, a Catholic church that was closer to their home and, uh, you know, kind of look for one that had a preschool program and that sort of thing and try to get her involved. And it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be fine. You know, yeah, she, she needs to learn how to go to school because she's, you know, their mom's a stay at home mom and she's home all day with her mom and, uh. And then, you know, I got to take her once. And then after that, there was a reason not to, and another reason not to, and another reason not to. And my heart was just broken. So, you know, it, it came down to just, we brought her down to the cathedral for a concert, a children's concert one time. And, oh, she was taking my camera and snapping pictures of all the, all of the, um, the stained glass and everything. And then I took her to the back, to the statue of Mary and Jesus, she just stared at that statue and she was stroking Mary's foot and then she went home and she told her mother, she says, I met my great grandmother she goes, you met your great grandmother and I said, yeah, Mary she said, my Mm. great grandmother and when we were leaving so she's three at this time she starts crying, I don't want to leave my great grandmother and baby Jesus so that, that was so moving and then I just couldn't get them to let me bring her back regularly and it, and it's been hard. So like I said, that's mostly been you know you, you talk, you say little things and um, whenever we would go over there we'd say, could we please say grace before dinner? you know we'd like to say grace before the meal and they've started picking up that they started picking up that um, they picking up that, uh, that habit in their family too. So they're starting to do that, and they're talking about having the, the girls baptized. Wow! So, Praise God! Yeah. Praise God! I know. Well, you know her her grandmother also is is uh, is very devout, and but she's in the Lutheran church, and uh, so they're they're tending to go towards the Lutheran church, which you know I'm I'm happy they're making that move. Mm-hmm. You know to a to a. Uh, Kind of a standard religion and I thought, well, you can still
1: talk about the Catholic stuff. <laughs> yeah.
0: Danielle, what church were you baptized in?
1: So don't judge this. Um, I was I was baptized through the shrine of the little flower, but um back in the not, hippie day. I won't day, judge that. I won't No, judge listen that. to this. Back in the hippie day, I was baptized in a backyard. So oh, it well. happened. Yeah. But it's wow. a valid baptism. So um was it I was Father baptized- Ed Proust? Uh, I think it was a deacon. Um, oh. I have a photograph. I, I mean, like, and a baptismal certificate somewhere. But no, so I, I, I am, believe you. I believe yeah, you. A... I'm not
0: calling you out.
1: <laughs> like, on the air, you're like, is your, is your, was it in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? Did you use water? Did you use the sign of the cross? Like, was it fresh water?
0: No. Did the priest intend? Did the deacon
1: intend to uh. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I was an infant. Um, But, I, Yeah. I am so, I am so thankful for the grace of my baptism. Um, and you know what else I, my, my grandma attended trying the little flower and she's, she's not with this anymore, but um, there's something about the faith of grandparents. It's something really profound and important in someone's life. And I, I worked at St. Anne for so many years. And I remember one time the archbishop gave a homily and he said, isn't it beautiful to think that like, the vocation of these two people was to be the grandparents of jesus and like mm-hmm. i mean like also the parents of mary but like really their crowning moment was like this later like like maybe you know they were like you know when they're like 13 and 15 and 17 and like wow we're so cool and young but really it was, was like their their like really cool moment was to be a grandparent so that's something mm-hmm. i think about too that's this is a really amazing moment in your life to be the grandparent of someone Yes, it is.
0: Some, some people were grandparents at 13 back then. No,
1: and, you know, that, so not that's at what 13.
2: That's,
1: Are you crazy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Sounds great. Well, you know what? As we come to a close, we usually ask our guests to share a um, to share if there's anything else they want to share with our listeners. Is there anything on your heart that you would really like to the listeners to take home with them?
0: And Al is still with us there, right? Yeah, yes. I am still here.
2: Okay, great.
3: You know, I I have been involved in all of these s- stories and events that have, that has have been uh, communicated here, so I've, I've witnessed it all.
2: Yeah, well, he was actually active in many of them mm-hmm. as well.
3: Well, you know, somebody had to drive the car.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm you like you're just being, uh, you know, trying to placate everybody. Mm-hmm. But it's like you know what? It'll it'll all be okay. This is this is all going to turn out okay. Um, the world has been through a lot of things before and whatever it is you're going through, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's heartbreak, whether it's loss of a job, whether, you know, whatever it might be, just feeling lost yourself, um, it's going to end up being okay. That's the hard part is finding your way to it. But I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've had some help along the way from people who who helped guide me. Um, all through my life even just recently as well that kind of came from places you didn't expect and uh, you just have to kind of be open and and realize that it's, it's gonna things are gonna work out
0: amen thank you so much for for being with us and uh, sharing uh, sharing your stories with us
2: well thank you for asking us it was quite a surprise
1: <laughs> thank you for everything.
2: The Lord is, my light
1: and my
2: my Lord is my light And my salvation The Lord is my light And my salvation The Lord is my light And my salvation Whom shall I fear? There we go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: joyful was that to have al and suzanne in the open door policy studios singing their joy of the gospel and and sharing their confident faith with us
1: if you liked this episode please share it with your friends your neighbors your relatives your trader joe cashier you can also leave us a review on itunes follow us on facebook instagram and twitter our handle is at open door detroit Help us unleash the gospel. Open Door Policy was produced by Ron Pangborn and the creative team of the Archdiocese of Detroit.
0: Has anyone ever complained of too much, Danielle?
1: No. Yes, my mom.
0: (laughs) I'm Father Steve Pullis with Danielle Center.
1: And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy.